Hello, this is Opera Unbound, a podcast that breaks the barriers between opera singers and the audience. We will cover the process, challenges, stereotypes, and inspirations associated with opera. If you like the content that we're putting out and you'd love to see more, make sure you subscribe to our channel as well as share it with all your friends. Welcome back, and this is part two of our three-part series of Preparing a Role. Here in part two, we're going to talk about analyzing the text to develop a character, translating it, and speaking the lines. So first, I want to talk about my approach to this part of the process. I like to kind of use a mixture of two systems, the Stanislavski system and the Meissner system. I like Stanislavski's approach to stage acting a little bit more. I find it a little bit more logical for me as an actor. Uh, This is going to be a really personal thing when you get to acting and you have to make a decision what makes a little bit more sense to you. So when you really boil down the two different systems, Stanislavski believes in acting with a, a purpose truthfully within a set of given circumstances, whereas Meisner is more about responding to stimuli and, and trusting your natural instincts and building off of the imaginary. They're similar in a lot of ways, but they do have slight differences. And I do really love Meisner's approach to analyzing the text. I think it really gives you a lot to work with. I'm going to break down the main components of both Stanislavski and Meisner method for you. Here's a basic outline of the Stanislavski system. The first three deal with our body, with relaxing our muscles and learning to eliminate or control what tension is happening while we perform. Number two is concentration, thinking and responding to our own imagination. Number three is working with the senses, discovering the sensory base of the work, learning to memorize and recall sensations um, that are often called sense memory or effective memory. This helps us working with both small sensations and to expand it into what is called the sphere of intention. Number four is the sense of truth, learning to tell the difference between an organic and the artificial. Stanislavski believed that there were natural laws of acting that were to be obeyed. Five is the given circumstances, uh, developing the ability to use the previous four skills to create a world of play. Some of this can be obviously given by the text, but some of it can be drawn from what we get from our colleagues on stage. Contact and communication, developing the ability to interact with other performers spontaneously and with the audience without violating that fourth wall. Number seven is units and objectives. We talked about this having to do with beats, learning to divide a role into sensible units that can be worked on individually and developing the ability to define each unit of the role by an active goal desired by the character rather than an entirely literal literary idea. Number eight, logic and believability. I think this also plays in with sense of truth. 
discovering how to be certain that the sum of the combined objectives are consistent and coherent and that they are in line with the play as a whole. Number nine, work with the text. Develop the ability to uncover social, political, and artistic meaning of the text and seeing that these ideas are contained within the performance. That's why I'm telling you, you got to do your history. You got to look up what the time period was like, what were the social things going on, and what were the experiences that your character would have in that time period. Number 10, the creative state of mind, an automatic culmination of all the previous steps. So all of these steps in the Stanislavski method, after you do them, you know, a lot, it really does become automation, just like with your technique in singing. You don't have to think about it all the time. It just becomes about doing, which is a very Meisner thing to say, doing. <laughs> okay, so the main components of the Meisner technique, emotional preparation is one. It's the press prep work that Meisner believed an actor was obligated to carry out in order to develop the imaginary circumstances in a character's life. According to Meisner, an actor must depict the full emotional landscape of a character to be interesting. That you must learn to decide what makes a character happy, what causes conflict for them, and other complexities when doing this emotional preparation. The second component of the Meisner technique is repetition exercise. This can help train your responses. Instead of practicing a long dialogue, two actors prepare, practice repetition, repeating a phrase again and again while building on what others say on each iteration. So it's more about the, the impulse and um, spontaneity, which I said was a really big thing for Meisner. It's, it's the idea that instead of thinking you're acting or pretending to be somebody you're not, you're concentrating on being someone and the authenticity and emotion will come to you. The final is improvisation, which allows you to act before thinking, plays a key role in training with Meisner technique. Improvisation allows you to bring spontaneity into a scene and react in a mode of the character without relying on prescribed lines. Actors skilled in the previous repetition exercise can offer an impromptu reaction. Often, without words and in between lines to any event. For the first part of analyzing the text, we're mostly going to talk about Meisner's approach. Um, there are things that uh, I will, you know, mention that are more of a Stanislavski method. So the Stanislavski method allows for drawing on history and personal experiences, which really works for me as a music historian. I really like having that extra knowledge associated with the time period and, and knowing all those sorts of things, which my character would have known because they would have been living. But you're also allowed to draw on your personal experiences, which I, I won't say that Meisner doesn't disallow because you, you have this whole idea of emotional preparation in the Meisner technique. I just feel more connected to the Sinoskovsky method. I will provide a couple of links to books on our Patreon page for further reading if you're interested in that. As I said, um, I really like the Meisner method for analyzing the text and we're going to dive into that. So the first thing you're going to do is read the libretto in its entirety. You can read a translation, that's fine. And you're just going to kind of get a general sense of the story and how your character is in it. After you've done that, 
you're then going to read every line said by your character and make a separate list of key phrases and key facts. These phrases are things that your character says that you feel are of a true importance. Key facts are any person, place, or thing that your character speaks about that seems important to them. Now, read through this list of key phrases and pick out the ones that are most provocative. The ones that you feel really give you a sense of your character's identity. With the key facts that we identified as well, we're going to return to the script and examine everything the character says about those key facts and write those down. This is all to help us find what is called the spine phrase or the whole inspiration for your character's actions and being. Carmen was what was actually the the role that I decided to examine in my master's course when I was doing acting. And so the spine phrase for Carmen is to be free. The, The one thing that she wants to do in her life is be free. She doesn't care about anything. She doesn't care about love, items, anything. It's about freedom, being able to do whatever she pleases. And there's literally, I mean, there's no avoiding it in, in the story of Carmen at the very end. Spoiler alert. She says to Don Jose, let me go or kill me because she can't imagine not living a life of freedom. It's kind of amazing that (laughs) that character was written during that time period, but you know, it's very human to to want freedom. So I I don't know why I'm surprised, but I am. Anyways, back to spine phrase. So there's a few rules um, set by Meisner with a spine phrase. It has to be the root of the deepest wish. It has to have outward intention, global in nature, and must be a positive and active statement. And of course, it must be provocative to you. So this is going to take you a couple hours to do. You got to read through the libretto by itself. Then you have to go through and mark all of these things and analyze them. Um, And once you feel like you have all that information, you're going to look at what your character is doing or experiencing in every scene and how it is connected or inspired by that spine phrase. You're going to break down every scene into what's called beats or units of action. What are the objectives or slash obstacles that your character must overcome and complete. Each objective or obstacle is a new beat. This work is all to discover the emotional state or motivation behind these actions. This is really key to any acting method or approach you have to the text. Um, And don't forget that uh, there could be outside emotional circumstances influencing each scene. So now that we have all this information, this is really now about drawing on your personal experiences that help connect to making a truthful approach to the text. Speak the lines both in English and in in the original language to make sure that you have good flow and emotional intention of delivery. You can also do, um, I learned a Shakespearean method of writing out your text and actually underlining things, uh, making a diagram of 
how you're going to express the text, right? Uh, are you like underlining the beginning of a word to give that more emphasis or um, putting crescendos and stuff just over the text, not even influenced by what what is given in, in the music. This is an exercise that you can use to really feel that you have more clarity in your delivery of text, which is, which helps you as an artist um, when it comes to adding music. I also want to mention there is like a free association writing exercise that you can do. It's talked about in, there's a workbook that I'll link in my Patreon. I can't remember the title of it right now, um, but it's not, it's not by Meisner. It's by um, Larry Silverberg has a four part series of books for actors in the Meisner approach. And in uh, the fourth book, there's a free association exercise that you take a, a key phrase basically and you start free associative writing off of that phrase. Some people find this really helpful in helping them embody the character and how their thought processes and the sorts of things that they experience. I want to talk about translation. I know that a fair amount of people rely on things like Nico Testel and that's not that's fine for most of reading the libretto and getting a sense of the story. I really truly believe that if you want to have the best understanding of everything your character experiences, you need to translate every scene your character is in and the things that they're going to hear. And that's just because sometimes translators make decisions about text to, to make it more poetic or grammatically correct, I guess, as the thing I'm going for. But it's really important for you to know exactly what word means what. And I, and I know a lot of people know that when it comes to the text their character says, but you need to know the same thing about every line that is being said to you or around you that your character would hear and be influenced by. So do that work. It, it'll take you, um, you know, maybe a couple hours of extra time, but it is totally worth it. A quick word about translation, uh, a resource that some of you may know of or may not is wordfriendfriends.com. You can look up multiple languages in one website. And most of the time, it will also give you the IPA of that word. If it doesn't, go to collinsdictionary.com. And, and collinsdictionary.com is pretty good about doing all of the IPA for the major languages that we sing in opera. That being said, it's always good to have a physical dictionary of each language that you are going to end up singing in. We've covered analyzing the text, translating it, reading it, talking about those beats and spine phrases and motivations. When it comes to speaking the lines, this is, I think people know this, translate, learn, memorize. Translate your text, learn it. And if you do 25 repetitions of each scene, you're most likely going to be memorized by the time that you do that. I tend to do the hardest stuff first. Like I'll look at the music and I'll say, oh, this scene's going to be hard. This is going to take me more time to do. Even if I'm not, I'm not learning the music, I'm just doing, working with the text. I'm going to do that scene first so that I know it has had the most work. 
And when you're speaking this text, this is an opportunity for you to record yourself practicing so that you can really hear what the audience will hear and make sure that your diction is really clear and that any intentions, emotional intentions that you're trying to get across in the text are reading. After you feel like you have a really good control of the text of any particular scene, it doesn't have to be the text in its entirety, then go through and do it with the rhythm. Do it slow, really get that rhythm in your body and in your brain. Because then when you go faster and then add music, it's going to be magical how well it quicks. Okay. <laughs> Thanks for listening and watch out for part three, which is all about learning the music. Thanks for listening to this podcast episode. For more information about the podcast or for extras, check out our Patreon page, www.patreon.com slash opera unbound. Ciao.